Welcome to Celebration Church Online. We are so glad that you've joined us. We want you to share this broadcast with as many people as you can. We believe that it will bless and encourage us all in this season. I want to greet you this morning. And uh, today I want to talk to you about, I believe, one of the most important topics that we could talk about. I have entitled this message, Discerning the Times. And I'd like to read from a very pa- familiar passage of Scripture, and you all know it, Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now I want you to notice there's a sign of his coming and the end of the world. Jesus answered and said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Well, there's the sign, deception. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. It's mentioned twice. And you shall hear of rumors, wars of, uh, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you be not troubled. All of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then, listen to this, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, they shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and they shall betray one another, and they will hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and they shall deceive many. There it is again, the third time, they shall deceive. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come goes on to say, in verse 21, it says, For there shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or There, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. There it is again, the fourth time. Deceived, deceived. Behold, I have told you before. You know, the beautiful thing about God is he always tells us before. And I know that we've looked at this passage of Scripture many times. But today... I want to use it as the basis of understanding of the times and the seasons. Or I should probably say the season that we're living in. 
Again, I want to reiterate the fact that four times Jesus mentions the sign of the end would be a sign, and, and the sign of his soon return would be great deception that would come upon the earth. And he concludes that this deception would be so great that if it were possible, it could even deceive the very elect of God. Those of us that truly know Jesus, those of us that really have accepted him into our hearts and lives. You see, the deception that is in the earth today is not as evident as many would like to believe. In fact, uh, the love of many is growing so cold that they are resentful of people who speak out on topics that challenge their ideas or the way that they have been educated. Uh, it's often very difficult to have a conversation today, let alone a debate over differing points of view. You see, some people's ideas are kind of like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and hardened. You see, if we're going to escape the deception that is in this world, we're going to need to be living in the resurrection power of the new birth. Jesus didn't come to make you better. He came to give you a new creation, to make you a new creation. But we have to live in that new creation. We're going to need to have understanding of what the Word of God is saying. We need to know what He's saying right now, at this moment, in this time. We're also going to need to develop an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then what I want to talk to you about today is we're going to need to be able to use discernment like never before. In the book of Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verses 13 and 14, it says, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of God or in the word of righteousness. It says, For he is a baby, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a powerful verse of Scripture, that you have to exercise your senses to discern good and evil. The word discern there is diachrisis. It's a Greek word that is defined as judicial, a judicial estimation or a discerning or a disputation. It comes from diacrino, which means to separate thoroughly, literally and reflexively to withdraw from or by implication to oppose. Figuratively, figuratively it means to discriminate, hesitate, contend, make to differ, discern, doubt, Judge, be partial, stagger, waver. And the root of that is a word crino. It means to decide mentally or judicially, to try, to condemn, to avenge, to conclude, to condemn, damn, decree, determine, esteem, to judge, to go to sue at the court of law, to ordain, to call into question, to sentence, to think. We don't do much thinking these days. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure that this is something that we're doing much of. And it's led by the word dia. So it's diacrino. And that means to be purposeful in what you're doing. To take an act. To channel an act. So it's from this springboard that I want to talk to us today about being a discerning people. And that means challenging thoughts. Being somebody who's not afraid. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 it says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they're foolishness unto them because they're spiritually discerned. Natural things can't be discerned except by spiritual things. He goes on to say this, But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see, there's many believers today that have become blinded 
by natural or what I would call carnal ideas, philosophies, even education. You see, spiritual discernment is not valued anymore today. Very little people have real spiritual discernment. We've exalted science, technology, modernism, religion, political ideology, and yes, even culture and race over spiritual understanding. We've made idols out of our natural understandings. And the Bible says that they're foolishness. Foolishness to us and foolishness to God. The word discerned came from the word anacrino. And it means to scrutinize. It means to, by implication, by implication to investigate, to interrogate, determine, to ask, to question, to discern, to examine, to judge, and to search. I don't know, it's very difficult in our society to be very discerning. Because even asking or questioning or, God forbid, investigating or scrutinizing something is usually met with a backlash of groupthink. That's where we're all thinking the same thing. And boy, if you ever get out of lockstep, if you ever get out of that groupthink, you're in trouble. And we also have a lot of media-induced rhetoric. There are very few people that are willing to brave cognitive dissonance for any length of time in order to have their preconceived ideas examined or even questioned. Another one of the enemies of, uh, of, of one of the enemies' ways of infiltrating our lives is through distortion. Distort means to twist, to uh, make out of shape, or to make crooked, or to deform. And uh, even in the church, the church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we've seen that there are distortions in biblical interpretations, in teachings, and there's heresies. And just like Jesus said, falseness and deception has begun to creep in to even the very elect. So much so that I'm afraid that some of the very elect might be deceived. This is why we must all be willing to redouble our efforts to study the Word of God. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, discern what is happening in the world and in our lives. So, with the idea of deception and distortion being key operatives in our time. I want to take a look this morning at the Word of God to see if we can find patterns and principles that can shed light on how we should be living and what we should expect in this time that we're living in. You know, it's very important that we understand from the past through the eyes of history what is transpiring in our present. In fact, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1 and verse 9, listen, listen to what uh, Solomon said. He said, The things that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. That simply means this. What is happening today has happened in the past. The principles in the present can be seen in the patterns and the principles of the past. He goes on in Ecclesiastes, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, That which hath been is now, and that which is to be has already been, and God requireth that which is past. You see, I think there's a common proverb that most of us have said, or at least heard, that says something like, History always repeats itself. And there's a truth in that. 
History has a way of recycling, repeating itself. That's why we study history. But we also have to be aware of the fact that all of Scripture, and for that matter all of history, points to two main great events. Those events are the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the second event is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in the Bible, and in fact everything in history, points to one of these two events. That is why it's called His Story. History. We can learn from the stories of the Bible. Both the New and the New, Old and the New Testament are full, chock or block full, of things that are going to happen, and they tell of things that are going to happen just before they happen, or what's going to happen at the end of the world. There were so many prophecies about Jesus and his first coming that it's absolutely mathematically impossible for what Jesus to have done to have happened. Um, for those prophecies to be fulfilled. They had to be destined by God. If that was true then, how much more now at the second coming of Jesus? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 says this, Now all these things happen to them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So this morning, I want to look at a historical story in the Bible, and I want to reflect on what God wants us to learn and understand from this current situation that we find ourselves in. Now, there are many biblical stories that speak to the situation we find ourselves in today. Uh, I think of Nehemiah and the return of the Jews to rebuilding the temple of God and the city of Jerusalem. It's one of my favorite stories. In fact, I think that, Jeru- uh, that uh, I think as Zimbabweans, and uh, in fact the whole world, and for each of us, individually and as families, I think you and I need to start thinking about what it'll take to rebuild our lives. What's it going to take to rebuild our churches, our businesses, our institutions, our towns, our cities, our nation, and the nations of the world after this shutdown? Imagine the damage we have suffered for a contagion that has never materialized, but was weaponized and fanned into a flame by nonstop worldwide media hype. Are we going to continue to live our lives in total isolation? Are we going to continue to be controlled by fear? I think we can think of another story, the story of Esther. How she was used by God to protect her people from the plans of evil and hateful men who had genocidal plans, using decrees and inflaming the passions of people against the Jews who seemed at that time to be a non-conforming group of people to the wishes of these greedy and powerful and power-hungry men. Oh, I mean, there's so many examples in the scripture. Gideon, Samson, I mean, uh, the list goes on and on. But today, I want to take a look in the book of uh, Genesis, the 47th chapter, and we're going to look at the story of Joseph. You all know the story. Pharaoh uh, is in power. He has a dream concerning the future of the then-known world. And if you recall, the dream showed that there would be seven years of incredible abundance, followed by seven years of famine. In fact, those seven years of famine would be so severe that the seven years of abundance would be totally forgotten. The Bible says that Pharaoh was perplexed by the dream. In fact, he was so perplexed that he was unable to sleep. And he ends up calling his sorcerers, his nyangas, his wise men, the wise men of Egypt, 
By the way, we could draw these same similarities from the story of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. I think of, I think of that all the time. I, I, I did a whole series on Daniel and, 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 and his dealings with Nebuchadnezzar, another powerful king. Anyway, none of the wise men could understand or interpret Pharaoh's dream. But you see, God was setting things up for his glory. He had prepared Joseph, a worshiper of the true God. And it was only Joseph who could interpret the dream. As believers, God has revealed to you and I, through the prophetic books of the Bible, the books of Daniel, Revelations primarily, what things are going to happen in the ends of times, in these end days. Now, just as religious leaders and the witch doctors, Yangus, soothsayers, magicians of Joseph's days could not understand the dreams of what was about to come. So today, we have people that do not know the seasons or the times that we're living in. Unfortunately, even in the body of Christ, there are those who do not preach from the books of Revelation or Daniel or Isaiah or any of the prophetic books. Why? Because they do not understand the dreams and the visions that are written in these books. Today, I want to take a deep dive into the story of Joseph. I think there are many parallels for you and I today. In Genesis 47, the 13th verse, it says, And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. Boy, this is true today. The crisis that we're finding ourselves in is affecting the whole world. At this time, the famine was affecting the whole known world. This biblical period of time. And it says the people fainted. That word fainted means to burn, by implication to be insane, to be rabid, from the exhaustion of frenzy, to languish, to faint, to go mad. I think the world's gone mad. Quite frankly, I've never seen anything like this. Genesis 47, verse 14 goes on to say, And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Here's what we're seeing. We're seeing a wealth transfer. Pharaoh is getting rich while others are getting poor. Joseph is gathering up all the money of the Egyptians and all the people of the land of Canaan for basic commodities that were being controlled and purchased. I tell you, we're seeing this happen before our very eyes around the world. In the United States, we can see it every day on the news. There's a few stores you can shop in. These big conglomerate stores where they say, you're safe. While the privately owned shops, the mom and pa businesses, are not allowed to operate under the guise that that wouldn't be safe. I don't get it. Why are you safe in a big store with 100 people when you're not safe in a small store? See, but what we're seeing is a two-tiered money system. Even here in Zimbabwe, we're seeing a controlled, so-called subsidized system of distribution that's enriching a few and destroying the livelihoods of others. We have crops that are dying in our fields. There's no way to get things to market. We have markets that are shutting down. What we're seeing right now is the destruction of the middle class. There will be a great divide between the rich 
and the poor. A few rich and many poor. Verse 15, it says, And the money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. All the Egyptians came to Joseph, and they said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. Oh, I want you to notice something. When money fails, and money is failing all around the world, and right now, all over the world, the news is full of speculation and warning about an imminent collapse economically. And we know that the current fiat money system is bankrupt. The money system is failing. We in Zimbabwe know that more than ever. And this is what leads to taking even the assets from the people, not just the foreigner, but the people of the land itself. Verse 16 and 17, listen to what Joseph says. He says, and Joseph said, give your cattle, and I'll give you for your cattle if money fails. And they brought their cattle to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for flocks and for cattle of herds and for their asses. And he fed them with bread for all of their cattle for that year. Here's what's amazing to me to watch, is what people are willing to give up because of fear. Look at how many rights we've given up because of fear. As we're being obedient and trusting, trying to social distance, by the way, which isn't working in most of our country anyway, and most of the countries of the world are now throwing this off. But just go around our country. Just go in the. It's only working in the low density suburbs for the most part. But while this is happening, we have government leaders who think that the answer to our problems are going to be found not from God, but by building a shrine to Mbuyana Honda. Their stated answer is to bring back the skulls of dead mediums and heroes and lead the nation into a covenant of darkness. And this will be the magic that will fix all the problems that we're facing. It appears that even as a nation, we are giving up more and more of our sovereignty. Natural resources being mismanaged with little return to the national fiscus. We're passing laws that are imposed on us from agencies and donors from outside our country that don't love nor do they understand Africa or what our African values are. Out of fear, we're losing. Out of fear of losing aid, we're often we're often trying to keep up appearances with the so-called advanced or first-world nations and their agendas. And we're seeing very little leadership, no clear direction, and no solutions for our nation. We just see the stripping of individual rights and freedoms. It's almost like it is a script. We introduce a second round of Murambatsvina. Right in the middle of the corona COVID crisis. And this creates more panic and more fear. And it destroys what little trading economy the common person had left. We're pushing people into impossible and untenable situations. And here's my question. Why is it that we always do these things at the onset of winter? Can you imagine what a poor person feels when they have no house, no place to stay, no business? It just makes our lives even harder and the lives of our fellow man even harder. Do we not have any compassion? Anyway, I digress. There are, numeral, there are numerous articles today 
and reports that are being written about the fact that because of the COVID-19 corona contagion, there will be threats on the world's food supplies. We can see the prophetic nature of what is happening, of what has happened in the past, and that it will happen in the future. Actually, it's happening right now. This story goes on in verse 18. It says, when that year was ended, they came unto him a second year, in the second year, and said unto him, we will not hide it from you, my Lord, how that our money is spent and our herds of cattle, there is nothing left. And in the sight of my Lord, there's nothing left except our bodies and our lands. You see, the famine didn't end in a year. Economists tell us that uh, any financial retraction longer than two quarters, two consecutive quarters of negative growth is in, uh, in, in any economy moves from being a recession into becoming a depression. So what do we see happening? Because there is nothing left to give. The people here give themselves into a form of slavery. And it says they give themselves and they give their land. Verse 19 says, Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and buy our land for bread. And we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And just give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. I'm amazed to see what people will do to survive, what people will do to eat. People are willing to give up their hard assets, houses, lands, just to live, just for food. They're even even willing to be slaves or servants to Pharaoh in order to live. You know, fear is the force that is used in our lives that will make us or drive us to give up all of our livelihoods, all of our assets. Verse 20 says, And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For the Egyptians sold every man his field because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. This is ominous. Today, the upper 1% of the world's elite are buying up the world. And as they get richer and richer, the nations are no longer leading, but being told what to do by powerful Pharaohs. All the while, the average person is selling off assets, lands, and sometimes their very lives. Well, let's see what the Bible says about these rich men. In James chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered. And the rest of them shall be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as it were with fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Heap treasure for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth out. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. That's the Lord of the angel army. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. 
You have condemned and killed the just. And he does not resist you. So we can see this passage of scripture. It speaks harshly against those who store up and take the wealth of the average person. And are unconcerned with people. God says that it's stored up against them for the day of slaughter. We go back and we close out this story in Genesis. And the 21st verse says this. And as for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of the border of Egypt even to the other end thereof. For me, this is the most frightening thing. The fact that once people lose their lands and they lose their houses, they're moved to cities where they under the guise of being cared for can actually be controlled. Think about what control looks like, especially today, in cities. We're talking about the Internet of Things. We have cameras now coming up everywhere, social monitoring. Now we're even talking about vaccines, and vaccines that have chips in them so that they can detect our location, our activities, our habits. And if you don't conform, your bank account can be cut off. And if you don't conform, you know, you can have privileges removed. We see it already in China, and this is the pattern for the rest of the world. All we really need now is a 5G network. You see, the issue at hand is control. Control. Who's going to control us? God never meant for men to control other men. God is our God, and he's supposed to control our lives. So what should we do? Well, if the Egyptians, who were the leading nation of the world in that time, came to a point where, for food, they were willing to give up their bodies and their lands and all their assets, what can you and I expect today? Notice, Joseph was plundering the Egyptians for Pharaoh. Did the Egyptians see this coming? Did they discern the times? No. They believed nothing would change. They were waiting for everything to return to normal. You know, Egypt never did become a great nation after that again. They were never really ever great again. Especially after God destroyed them when he finally let Israel go. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 says this. It says, And at that time shall Michael stand up and the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation ever to that same time. What God's saying is there's going to come a time of trouble that has never been. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone, shall be found, everyone that shall be found written in the book of life. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal this book, even to the time of the end, where many shall be running to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. That's where we're living now, at the end, where knowledge and running to and fro is increased. And he says, and he said, go thy way, in verse 9. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. I believe that God wants to give you and I a spirit of discernment. That's what this message is about today. We need to discern the times. I believe it's time for you and I to begin to think about cities of refuge, places to set up for ourselves and for our friends and our families, outside of the cities. We have to understand that God is our refuge. He's our purifier. and He'll lead us. And he'll guide us during this time. We have to understand that he's going to help us. But we must not be ignorant of what the Bible is saying. We can't trust the Pharaoh-controlled systems. We can all see the corruption of some of the world agencies. 
I mean, the World Health Organization was in charge of COVID-19 and couldn't even manage the testing kits correctly. But we're supposed to trust them with a vaccine and with a microchip system? I'm sorry. That is pure craziness. We can't trust our government or our leaders. They are unable to manage the day-to-day issues, let alone to have a heart to care for the real needs of people. They are bankrupt financially and morally. Their answer is to build a shrine to Mbuyanahanda. And then all of our troubles will somehow be solved. We bring back a few skulls of these spirit mediums and then we'll all be saved. Are you kidding me? Just like the wise men who consulted Pharaoh couldn't interpret the dream that disturbed him, our leaders at this time will not be comforted by the false prophets who do not seek Almighty God. Nor will these idols be able to assist us in these times. It is a time for all who call upon the name of the one true God. For those of us who know Jesus, the Christ, it's time for us to seek God's counsel for our nation. And it's time for Zimbabweans to stand up, speak out, and begin to rebuild our nation. Not with the loans from foreign nations. Not on debt, but by working with our own hands. Managing our own resources. Holding those in positions of authority accountable for how they have mismanaged the nation. And above all, not selling ourselves as slaves to those who are more than willing to enrich themselves through the manipulation, destruction, and control of others and others' labors. Revelations 13. It says, and behold, it starts with verse 11. It says, and I beheld another beast coming out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake like a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doth great wonders, so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. It's a pretty powerful picture, isn't it? And he deceiveth all of them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he has power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. This is kind of scary stuff. And it goes on to say, and he caused all, all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, or I'd like to say it this way. Here is discernment. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. It is the number, and his number is six hundred, three score and six. We know it as six, six, six. Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15 says this, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, 
he also, Jesus, likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See, it's the fear of death that keeps us in bondage. It's the fear of things. The enemy can only use fear. If you can bring people into a place of fear, then you can bring them into a place of bondage. People will do anything to get rid of a crisis. Even give up individual rights, properties, assets. Yes, even give up their bodies. Are we going to sell ourselves for... Are we going to sell our bodies? Are we going to sell our families for food? Will the time become so desperate that people will take desperate enough measures so as to sell themselves into a form of debt or slavery or maybe to take the mark of a beast so that they can survive on this earth? Remember I said this at the beginning. Jesus was speaking about these end times in Matthew 24. He says, For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places and All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. And they shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I never thought I would ever see that scripture come to pass. But when I see, the Bible says, when you see these things begin to come to pass, we need to look up. Because our redemption draws nigh. Let me close with this thought. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, wherefore, seeing that you and I are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience, perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. That's a powerful verse of Scripture. We've not yet resisted to the shedding of our blood. Let's lay, let's lay aside the weights and Let's let's lay aside the sins that so easily beset us. Let's run with patience the race that's set before us. Let's look to Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. Let's not become fearful. Let's become focused on Jesus. Let's become focused on his word. Let's be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And let's ask God for a discerning of the times that we're living in. This is the season for us to speak. It's the season for us to speak what we're hearing in the Spirit. It's a time for boldness. It's a time to stand up and say, this is not right. Or, no, I'm not doing that. Or, wait a minute, my voice counts. I can help make a difference for my family, for my neighbors, 
for my community. Let's all listen a little bit more. Let's all pray a little harder. Let's all be willing to have deep and meaningful conversations. Let's be patient with each other. Let's be kind to each other. And let's be loving. Because we are in perilous times. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each and every person listening to this message this morning. My prayer is that, Father, you would cause the Lord of hosts to rise up on behalf of your people. Father, that you would convict those who love to do sinful things, those who are wicked in what they do, and they plan wickedness to be exposed. Father, I ask that you would cause righteousness to rise in the nation of Zimbabwe and around the world, that you cause believers especially to show deep love and compassion one for another, that you'd give us a spirit of knowledge and understanding and wisdom and discernment in this season and this time. Bless us. Help us. Father, let us not sell our souls or sell our bodies or our families for bread. Now, Jesus, give us the courage to delve into your word, to study to look at these patterns and principles and prepare ourselves and help prepare each other. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I trust that this message is not a word of it, a discouragement to you, but rather a strength to you. That you'll go and you'll study the scriptures to show yourselves approved workmen that need not be ashamed. And that you'll begin to rise up. This will cause a spirit of boldness to rise in you. You won't just lay down. Thank you for joining us online. We hope and trust that you've been blessed by this service. Stay connected with us through our social media platforms on Facebook and WhatsApp. And tune in to ZFM radio station later today at 1915 hours Central African time for devotions with Pastor Tom. And in case you miss the devotions, you can listen to the audio podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you.